today on Doomed. Folks, the rich and wealthy have class solidarity. Do you? On today's episode of Doomed, with me, your host, Matt Binder, activist Raphael Shumanov will join me to discuss Ellen DeGeneres' defense of her friendship with former U.S. President George W. Bush. We'll discuss Bush's legacy, just in case you weren't quite sure why that friendship was problematic to begin with. We'll also discuss Raphael's amazing video on this whole entire thing that The Ellen Show doesn't seem to really want you to see. All that and much, much more on Doomed. Now, before we get to my guest, let me remind you how you can support the show. Patreon.com slash MattBinder will help fund the show, help make it happen. You can also support the show by subscribing for free on YouTube.com slash MattBinder. That subscribes you to the YouTube channel. And subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. That could be iTunes, Google Play, wherever. And now, without any further ado, let me bring up on the feed here so you could all see him and myself. La, la, la. Here we go. Activist Raphael Shumanov, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great. And I'm doing even better, I would say, knowing that the video you created is still out there in the world. <laughs> yeah, more than, more than originally planned. Now, we'll get to that video and the brouhaha around that shortly. Uh, but, you know, I think we should start with a little bit of background. As I said up in the front, Ellen DeGeneres is receiving tons of criticism uh, for basically being seen at a football game with George W. Bush. Uh, she came out and defended that. And again, we'll get more all into that you know, later on. You have this great video criticizing her defense in a very creative way. But people might not know why any of what I just mentioned, the, the football game, the friendship, the defense, why any of that is problematic if, I don't know, they were born after the year, what, 2001 maybe? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's hard to imagine uh, you not knowing this, let alone some celebrities defense later on I, I saw where they were claiming to not have known who George W. Bush really was. And this celeb was, I believe, in her 30s. So that's not even... We can discuss that later. Let's talk George W. Bush as president of the United States from the years 2001 to 2008. We won't even get into his history before that, where he was uh, problematic as well as, you know... He didn't just come out of nowhere and become president. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so what? What is? What would? What would you say your biggest? You know, when you think of George Bush. Now, I don't know how old you were when he was president and and what he meant to you. We get into our personal, you know, what it meant to us personally to his presidency as well. But what would you say is the the George W. Bush greatest hit in your mind? <laughs> Oh man, there's so much to choose from, um, from Katrina to LGBTQ attacks, uh, trying to use the, trying to amend 
the U.S. Constitution uh, to permanently classify people, you know, who don't deserve civil rights, apparently. And, uh, of course, the Iraq War, torture, <laughs> uh, Guantanamo, like, uh, it's unbelievable. And, and, and more recently, actually, most a lot of people don't talk about this, is his role as the number one behind-the-scenes uh, pusher of Kavanaugh. Uh, as a justice, which which also touches on his own uh, justice appointments and that legacy around the country, not just with the Supreme Court, but with, as we now all know because of Trump, you know, hundreds of just, you know, uh, judges across the country. Right, right. And, you know, it's it's interesting that you named, you know, I believe three huge uh, issues that people can have with George W. Bush and his legacy. And there's still so much more. Like, I, I was just, you know, just as a refresher, because I have those three in my head. I have the guy responsible for the financial crisis, pretty much. I have, you know, maybe not the guy, the leader of the administration responsible for the financial crisis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I have, you mentioned Iraq. I mean, in my estimation, uh, he, they're, they're the whole reason that this even the, this even began to begin with, with uh, from nine eleven on, in terms of just basically from what I re- I just letting it happen, pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's not again nothing like this just appears. Nothing, it, it, nothing exists in a vacuum here. There was calculations made to not do things, to let things happen, to treat things in certain ways, to deal with things in other ways that created basically all the issues we all have today. And if you're someone who does live in this bubble, who doesn't know anything about George W. Bush and thinks Donald Trump's the worst person ever to ever existed, uh, news for you. The Bush administration directly brings you Donald Trump. I mean, you don't get Donald Trump without George W. Bush. Yeah, I would even push it a little even further um, and make a lot of people even who are like my friends and colleagues in many places, kind of uncomfortable because there's another thing that fuels both of them. And that is this kind of like centrist or liberal quote unquote idea about like being nice as an, uh, a replacement for justice. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's the one, and I bring this up whenever it comes up with Trump. It is. If there's anything, if you if you're one of those, you know, uh, half glass, the the glass is half full instead of half empty type of people. The one thing that I am happy happened during the Trump presidency is that we're finally starting to see, maybe not with our celebs, obviously, that's why we're having this show, but in terms of politics. And how people who care about politics view these sorts of things. We're finally seeing civility politics. And the whole, you know, at least there's some decency going on between our two. We're finally seeing that whole charade die. You know, it's dead. It's buried. It's never coming back in my, in politics at least. We obviously still have work to do with people who uh, aren't really uh, as tuned in as they should be. Yeah, one challenging thing, though, about it for me that I don't have figured out, and I don't know how many people do have it, um, there are, like, 
re I'm also working on a video uh, about a friend of mine, Linda Sarsour, and another friend of mine, David Weissman. And David Weissman was Linda Sarsour's, like one of her biggest trolls. He was a Trump MAGA guy, former IDF, Republican in Florida, but from Queens, like where I'm from too. And he was pretty vicious. And I just disregarded, I disengaged from him. And it was actually women in my life and women in the world, including like Sarah Silverman and Linda herself, who kind of like kept dialogue with him. They didn't kiss his ass. They didn't tell him we just have a difference in opinions. They actually told him how horrible his ideas are. And he eventually came around and now is like, you know, defending Bernie and Warren. And like, it was just like a huge, came to a vigil after the, after the killings of, of Muslims by white supremacists and, and just did a complete 180. So there is, there are these stories of a certain type of dialogue that's honest and not one that's like helping people wash their hands just for the sake of, of comfort of, an, of, of the audience. Right. Um, that is constructive, I think. Now, um, and also it's like a, it's a fine line between enabling it and, and changing people's mind. Right. Now, now that, that person, Weissman, he, I'm assuming he has come to terms with who he was and he, and he uses that to inform himself and others, correct? Like he, He's aware yeah. of his history. He's he's admitted what it was, and he doesn't even. It's not even that he ignores it and says I'm changed. He uses it at, to inform and to maybe even help other people who were once in his position. I'm assuming. Oh, absolutely. In fact, he was very religious and conservative, and in the Jewish religion, there's a concept called teshuva, and and uh, and, and 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 you can't actually get forgiveness unless you try to get it. And you can't get it from God. You actually have to get it from the people you harmed. <laughs> so um, he actually went. And this is where the film comes in, where I film him. He called me up and he said, well, he DM'd me and he said, can, can you introduce me to Linda? I want to apologize to her face to face. And he did that. And it was just this tearful, amazing moment uh, that, you know, like exactly what you said, he actually did come to terms with the harm he caused. And then there was love and unity and, 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 uh, you know, you know, I, I, I love this story because, you know, I, I, I know, you know where I'm going with this in terms of Bush, <laughs> but, Absolutely. but, but there's something else actually. And, and we didn't talk about this story beforehand. So this is just coming to me now. And, and it's, it's something I bring up on this show too. And we're going a little bit off topic, so I don't want to go too much on this, but I have to say it because the story it speaks to me in, in, in a way in, in terms of what I bring up on this show a lot, especially when I'm talking about uh, people who get radicalized online, which is a very common uh, topic on this program because of the conspiracy theories I cover and the different sort of far right fringe groups I talk about. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who uh, are true believers in this stuff and cannot be saved. And there's no reason to try because... They don't want to hear from you. They don't care. But then those people, the true believers who are actually not good people, they have radicalized and sort of brainwashed in many ways people who are basically best described as sort of lost in life. And these are not the true believers. These are the people who just were in the wrong place at the wrong time 
and they were sort of swayed in a way that was harmful to them and others. Uh, if they had came across someone on the left who told them, you know, that, you know, LGBT people deserve rights and immigrants are, are, are deserve to be here and have rights too and are, they're, they're just like you and me, they probably would have been swayed that way too, but just that wasn't where they were at that point in time. And, you know, you need to separate those two because the true believers in the horrible, terrible, white supremacist, racist ideologies, they'll never deserve your kindness. But those people who could be dissuaded, uh, you know, there's reason to believe that there are good people who just need to be put back on the right track. And, you know, like you mentioned, that's when that whole kindness thing could come in to play. Mm-hmm. And back to Bush. <laughs> The reason why that kindness can't be shown to Bush, like you mentioned, is because he's never come to terms with what he's done. And furthermore, not only has he never come to terms with what he's done, there's a big difference between your your buddy Weissman, who uh, may have supported this stuff, and the guy who made it all happen. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, A lot of times it's the quote by James Baldwin, comes to mind that we can disagree and still love each other unless the disagreement is rooted in oppression and denial of our existence and our right to exist, you know? Um, and that, that there's no better <laughs> quote, I think, for Ellen or whoever to see right now. Right, right. It's, you know, it's sort of shocking to me because let's get, you know, we were, we were speaking briefly about this before the show started. And, and I think... Maybe if we get a little bit personal, people will just understand what Bush means to people in terms of people who grew up during his presidency and what, you know, their outlook on like what how the Bush regime (laughs) basically molded them into who they are today. And I don't mean that in a, you know. We became good people because of his presidency, but I don't mean like, you know, he molded us into those good people. It was that that presidency showed us everything to be against and what we didn't want ourselves, our loved ones, or our community, or our country, or any of those things to be like. And we did the exact opposite. <laughs> so tell right. me a little bit about your life when George Bush was president. Oh, it's kind of, I don't I never really talk about it uh, outside of like close friends, but I was... I was never a fan of Bush himself, but there were people who kind of created a formula that as when I was younger appealed to me, especially at my weakest point, which was after 9-11, right? Um, And these people weren't these dolts that, this is another example of the danger of, of, of paint brushing people as like complete idiots. And I think what you did a good job, there are people within the group who know exactly what they're doing and are designing uh, recruitment and, and this on based on powerful ideas that are bad. Um, and these people were like neoconservatives who were to me, they, they challenged this like notion from the left of these idiots who are supporting these things because they were intellectuals, they were artistic, they were well-read. Um, they had like half their newspapers in the New York, there was something called the New York sun that came back for a moment. 
And in that paper, half of it was culture and plays and poetry. And I was just like, whoa, what, what, what is this? Everything the left is telling me about these people are lies, I think. And, um, and I grew up, you know, I grew up in public housing. I didn't grow up wealthy. I didn't grow up with liberal parents. And to me, that kind of power was appealing. And, and also as a refugee, the, the idea of America as this savior around the country was a very powerful idea. And then that just really all um, uh, was really manipulated in me in my early years uh, where I was like, yeah, selfishness is a virtue, you know, like that's what makes the world go round. And then that really started to crumble with me watching uh, the aftermath to 9-11 with the wars and then in particular Gaza in 2014. Oh, interesting. You know, that's that's really interesting. So you, if, if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to give an exact if you don't want, but yeah. around how old you were or what grade you were in, what were you in when you know when nine eleven happened? Oh, I was in my early twenties, and um, and just you know, my first job was like building bicycles and emptying trucks in Toys R Us, and um, and I was you know pretty pretty open to different thoughts, very socially liberal. And yet these kind of, this movement came out with like a rebel energy. Uh, that's how they framed it. And that's what I'm seeing today now with like the alt-right, where they're framing themselves with very old, antiquated, dangerous ideas that have been debunked and trashed and destroyed and reviving them and putting a, like a youthful sheen on them. And people are falling for it. There's kids like, I've been videography i've been videotaping with consent like they brought me in like proud boys in new york going with them to see what they are doing um and them trying to like convince me and what i saw was a bunch of kids who are manipulated that any group could have got to at that stage in their life and brought them one way or the other and that's the same reason why the u.s army recruits that age the same reason why uh, every group recruits at that age um they're, they're, these are kids looking for a purpose, and there's nothing more powerful than the concept of rebellion. Right, right. Now, when when you were when you were that age, nine eleven happened, and there was the push for war. What what was that was that appealing to you, or or where did you where did you land on on that? When when you know, I, I think you know there there's there's obviously a, a difference between Afghanistan and Iraq in terms of how each was sold to us. But, you know, I, I guess in general, how were your feelings on, on that? My feelings, they were mixed. That it was, it was sort of framed to me as our interests coincided. This person that I disagreed with, Bush, uh, and then this dictator who was genociding Kurds and other people um, coincide, like their selfish interests which was very evident to me about oil and all of those things, but th- that coincided with human rights. And in the cases that, like a real politic kind of case, that that was an opportunity to, to take care of it. But it's like that old saying, when you dance with the devil, you don't change the devil, the devil changes you. And that's exactly what happened. Like there was nothing that was good that was going to come out of anything Bush would, would have done with those wars, right. both of them. Right. And so how was, how was your, 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 I guess your social circle, your friends, your family, how did they feel during this time? You know, cause I'll get to my personal story shortly, but it, you know, it was, yeah. you know, it was, it was, you know, 
I'll get to it in a minute. It's, it's something that is you know, just insane that time. I don't think people really get it. So, so what was your, your sort of the people around you? What, what was it like? So my family, it was very interesting because we come from Uzbekistan and Tajikistan as refugees when I was a kid. And we lived with majority Sunni Muslim and we dressed the same, even though we were Jewish and we had, we spoke the same language and we went to their mosques. They went to our synagogues, all of that. And there was there was always friction as any multicultural society, but it was solidarity against like Soviet Union. And um, so there was this feeling in our family and, and, and a close family that this this thing that people are saying about Muslims is not really true. Um, and then also because of right wing Israeli propaganda that targets them and me all our lives there was also this thing where oh wow they want to kill us and they want to wipe us off and and saddam hussein too i think in order to drum up support from arab nations began like targeting israel and that was very useful for bush uh, in terms of like support for my family in that way and also relating as refugees to kurdish refugees and uh other Iraqi refugees that were being created by Saddam Hussein and Kuwait and stuff like that. So um, uh, there was this thing, but then it was it was kind of watching in real time this conflict of two forces amongst the people closest to me take hold. And outside of me, I didn't really have uh, friends that were very political. Uh, we were all, it's Queens, very lower to middle class. Everyone's just like working, talking about like what's next, like what's on, what's on TV when, when the little time that we have not working, <laughs> but yeah. Right. Right. So, so you know, for me, you know, it's, it's something that I, I, I you know, I, I bring this up a lot online in terms of, you know, who is worse and it, it sounds, sounds silly and I don't mean it really as a competition. Like I don't want trump to beat bush in this area <laughs> like i'm not going like yeah be, be worse but i bring it up to prove a point to people and and, and to me there, there's something that's never really talked about when you compare the bush era to the trump era we've had so far now granted let me say this up front trump's not even well he's still got another year plus so who knows but yeah. at this point in time Bush is Bush has already brought us into two wars. 9/11's already happened. Uh we already see our freedoms being you know the Patriot Act is already underway. We have uh Muslim people and really anyone of a certain shade of brown being vilified. Uh, I will never forget. I, I want to bring up his name actually because it, this 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 moment sticks with me all the time, and I bring it up around every nine eleven. Actually, when people start talking about the ridiculous, I hate this phrase, this framing so much of of the day after nine eleven, oh, when yeah. it always comes up. The day after nine eleven, when um, everyone was apparently singing kumbaya in this country and there were just, was no color and there was no race and there were no problems. And I can tell you straight up, it's, I mean, if it sounds like bullshit to you, it is, but I can tell you straight up from someone who was there uh, during that time period that it was bullshit. And that's because 
I will never forget this this event that happened in this country. Who was this? A Sikh man was killed mm. while working at a gas station. Just days after nine eleven, it's one of the first incident instances. Excuse me, in this country, of a retaliatory attack on someone here for what happened on nine eleven. And it was a Sikh man. I'm pulling up his name because it's 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 stuck with me. His name was uh, ba- Balbir Singh Sodi, and just just working in mm. Arizona, just in just just doing nothing wrong, and mm-hmm. he was murdered because he was wearing a turban. Like this is what the Bush era was all about. Like you think, like yeah, the 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 Trump doing what he did early on in his um in his uh, presidency where he blocked people from certain uh, Muslim majority countries from coming in this country. Horrible, terrible one, you know, a, a stain on this country with all the other many stains on this country. <laughs> but, you know, there's just something in those, you could, you could take out of those photos and those moments of all the people in this country rising up, protesting at those airports, standing up and welcoming the people who were making it in. You didn't yeah. have that. You didn't even have that during the Bush era. Like, I, 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 I you know, I, I can't even, I'm like, I'm, I'm a Caucasian kid from Queens. I can't, oh, you're from Queens too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine what it was like to be, to be a Muslim in this country during the Bush era. You yeah. had... No one, and and I I could I could I could I could imagine that because of my experience during nine uh, during the nine the nine time around nine eleven and right after during the Bush era, I was a fifteen sixteen year old in high school. Uh, I was pretty into politics for someone my age. Nine uh, eleven radicalized me. I I you know in terms of uh, w- w- you know how much more I got into politics. And while I was always, you know, a progressive when I got into politics, I would say 9-11 full on made me a, that early I became a leftist. I didn't need to wait for uh, Occupy (laughs) Wall Street or or Bernie 2016. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I remember just being against the wars and just saying that it wasn't who I was. I could hide my feelings on the wars if I wanted to, but just Mm. saying I was against the wars. You were you were looked at like you had twenty different heads. It yeah. was it was not something like yes in two thousand four there was the huge anti war movement, but right after nine eleven that wasn't there. You know we yeah, went. You could look get... up the the Michael Moore speech for the Oscars and right. see how Hollywood reacted to him when he said really honest things about the fictitious war and the fictitious president. Like ninety, it sounded like ninety nine percent of that audience like wanted to take him off the stage. Right, right. I, I was watching that earlier, actually. And it's amazing to see people booing someone criticizing the, the Iraq war. I should phrase that as amazing to see in 2019. Because then it was just the norm. Like, I don't think people really remembered that, like, anyone who went out there and spoke against the war were the villains. They were the bad guys. Janine Garofalo was public enemy number one to this country. The yeah. Dixie Chicks careers over because they 
had a microphone and wanted to use that for what they saw as the greater good. And they spoke out against the war, bless them. And they put their career on the line and they lost it. Like, yeah, and Kanye West at that time too. Right, Ka- you know? Kanye uh, was a little yeah. bit after. It was a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit Katrina, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more okay to criticize Bush then. But that first term of Bush, he was, you know, he, the, if there was any moment that was as close to dear leader in this country as possible, that was it, man. Like people think the Trump people are, are, are uh, you know, will do anything for Trump. Imagine like 90% of the country feeling that way about Trump. That's how it was during the Bush, that first yeah. Bush term. It was, you know, I, I'll, and to me, the biggest thing, and it's also, it also, you know, on top of millions of more deaths under Bush than there, you know, I think will ever be under Trump because, man, if Trump pulls off everything Bush did, he's got a lot of catching up to do. Uh, so millions dead under Bush. And, but then on top of that, and this is where, you know, we, I talk about how it shaped me as a, a 15, 16 year old kid living in Queens, you know, growing up, those are your, those are your formative years. There was no one to like, you know, I had my little clique of punk friends and we were, you know, we were against it or whatever, but the broader public it just wasn't there. There was no one to turn to if you didn't have that local support with your 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 pals. Like in this era, 20, the, the 2010, 2011, 2013, on down to 2019, this the, the age of social media. Hmm. If you wanna speak out against this stuff, you can find people across the country who will show you, hey, you're not alone. You know? There are movements out there that are agreeing with you. We could we could beat this together. You know, you feel good about that. Yeah. That did not exist during the Bush era. You felt alone, and everyone around you was waving those flags. You know, man. You know, the flag manufacturers. I can't imagine that <laughs> an era where they made more money. It was something it's else, man. Incredible. Uh, it was incredible, and it was like even I like there was this. Uh, IT guy that was working in my office later on and uh, and he was like Mr. Conspiracy Theory and he was like warning me about the NSA which I never heard of and talking about like mass surveillance and this and that I'm just like oh man you're a tinfoil hat and to this day like half of the things that he he said was just like completely revealed and uh, and it was interesting that even with an open mind like how how we pushed him away and he was just sharing like actual facts, like, and he had sources and things, and we just didn't even bother to even entertain it. Right. It, you know, it was uh, so weird. Like, I don't think there there was never never a period where I thought there was something more like a you know a repressive regime running the country. It was, you know, in modern times at least. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's instances in our history that 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 are on the same level in terms of what presidents have done. Obviously, I mean, this is a country that still still can't even uh, reconcile with its past with slavery and, and internment camps and hundreds of thousands of other things. But, you know, to think that this was 2001 to 2008, it's mm-hmm. just like, 
that wasn't that long ago, man. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also kind of I guess surprising to me just hearing you say all that and how much has changed uh, in terms of like like people actually speaking the truth on human rights, um, even though it seems bleak. Uh, like watching that clip of the reaction to Michael Moore in Hollywood, I don't, I can't imagine that happening at least to that level today, um, at all. Yeah. Oh, you're if you if you're a celebrity today, you're cool if you're criticizing Trump. I mean, <laughs> you criticize Trump and you'll actually get jobs. Look at our Baldwin. <laughs> I mean, you criticize Trump and you will get work. Back yeah. then, you criticize Bush. Not only would you not get any more work. You would have lost everything you've built up. Your career would have been over. You you would be a footnote in the in in your industry's history. You were just like today. We, we you know just bring up Dixie Chicks today. It's not even like it's not even like we've retroactively gone back and given Dixie Chicks everything they've lost. No, right. if anything, people just bring up the Dixie Chicks as an example of what happened back then. They didn't get any of the 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 fame or the fortune they lost back. That's done. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just something that I think people need to really, you know, really consider. No matter, you know, and I'm not doing this to at all rewrite Trump's legacy. Trump is a terrible person. Horrible person. But <laughs> you just can't come to terms with who he is. And you can't feel the way you do about Trump without understanding why we are where we are today. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, you know, you know we, we can go on about Bush, and I don't, I don't want to make this a complete show about Bush's legacy because, you know, this is a little bit more to it than that. I think this show is about, this episode is about basically how people are coming to terms with it today. Mm -hmm. And celebrities, man, are just not, you know, just... I don't get it. I don't get it. Why do you need to to put your arm around George W. Bush to prove that what Trump's doing is bad? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So in the, in the most generous sense, like the most generous, artists and creative and especially comedians, often like funny people develop that because from this sense of like wanting to be liked and wanting to have as much. And that's, you know, and and. and and not like embracing conflict. And she's made half a billion dollars doing that, right? Um, we're, we're not touching anything that's that's controversial um, and doing a very type of corporate type of liberalism. Uh, and in the more realistic sense is that she knows exactly what she's doing and she's sending a signal uh, that Nothing is going to stand in the way, other than nothing's going to stand in the way with between her half a billion to her full billion, which she's on her way to get. Um, but she's sending a signal that this is a safe place for uh, a safe space, right? But like for anyone to come on this show and you won't be questioned. You won't be because she he, she also had Bush on her show right. where they, they actually kissed and danced and did the whole thing. Um, and. Uh, so like, it's a message to, uh, celebrities that, yeah, you, you won't be able to go on these other shows, but you can come on my show and I won't challenge you. And this is where you get to clean your hands 
And that's how she's going to make her second billion dollar. I mean, her second half billion dollar. But see, here's the thing, though. I don't even get how the money calculation comes into play. This isn't, you know, we're talking half a billion dollars here. She has a highly rated, probably, I, I believe, probably, I mean, um, I'm, I'm just guessing here. I don't have the, the stats in front of me. I'm going to assume she's got the highest rated talk show. especially 17 million viewers. Yeah. Right. I mean, especially that Oprah is no longer in the game on, 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 uh, on, on network television. You know, she's got to have the biggest daytime talk show. I mean, 17 million sounds huge, but you know, it's probably the biggest. Gotta, I, I can't imagine someone who's bigger than her. She, you know, they, they, there's nothing, literally nothing she can do. That's going to lose that for her. This ain't the Dixie Chicks in 2003, 2004. This is, you know, it's, it's, you are being generous because it's stunning to me that, that, and, and there's also not to, not to pass by this either. So she's at this football game, pictures come out, you know, someone snaps photos or, or, or the, 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 the television show, the, the, uh, the television network that's showing the game, catch Bush and her hanging out in the stands, whatever. Gets aired out there. People screenshot it, post about it online, criticizing her. That could have been the end of it. Like it could mm-hmm. have been. She could have just ignored it. She, like you said, seventeen million uh, viewers, half a billion dollars. She's gone on, gone on with your life. This wasn't exactly uh, being talked about on the Today Show. This mm-hmm. wasn't something she couldn't ignore. She made a conscious decision to come out on her show. And discuss this. Like, there was no reason to. She wanted to defend her friendship with Bush. Again, not because she had to. It wasn't like advertisers were going to flee her. It wasn't like her TV network was talking about canceling her because she was in the stands hanging out with George W. Bush. She chose, with nothing on the line, to explain why she was friends with George W. Bush. And... Well, she she did a little more than that. She she because she yeah she could have she could have just let it be that photograph, but then she not only doubled down and said, "Well, we have a friendship," and she also gaslit us. She she heard all the right. criticisms about LGBTQ and Katrina, and Afghanistan and Iraq and everything, and she ignored all of them and turned it into like very craftily like in media they call it pivoting. In, in in the resistance, it's gaslighting. <laughs> and what she did is gaslight us and pivot into, oh, this is just about Republicans and liberals that we could be friends even though we disagree with each other. Then she minimized it. as, And of course, it's not minimizing it for friends who are animal rights activists, but she minimized it to a lot of people by comparing it to wearing fur, uh, uh, you know, which could be a more apt example if maybe... It was the person killing a million, you know, animals and suffer, making them suffer. But she compared it to someone's fashion choices, uh, which was pretty. That really had me seeing red. And when I saw that, that's what really pissed me off. It wasn't the picture of her sitting with George Bush, even though that's a another chapter in kind of establishment folks rewriting his his art and cleaning his, his name. Uh, and uh, it's, it's hilarious because when, when I saw her do that speech, that, those images in the background that I put in is what I saw. 
before I put it in the background. And that's what you saw and what other people who know about George Bush saw. So really the video was just putting in front of other people what we see. Right. When I'm going to play your version of the video in a second. But, you know, I just want to talk a little bit more about this because, you know, I, I saw people say this. So this isn't an original thought, but there there is a difference. But I agree with it. So I'm going to mention it. This, you know, there, there is a difference. You know, her 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 defense is a good defense if, you know, you're talking about your conservative uncle or a family member or, you know, just someone who supports, you know, those sorts of conservative or right wing ideals. You know, everyone's got someone like that in their family. They got to see them uh, around Christmas or or whatever holiday anyone celebrates Thanksgiving, whatever. There's a difference between, you know, hey, Uncle Bob, nice to see you. Hope the family is okay. You know, Uncle Bob, while he may vote Republican and be an asshole, he's he's not the one calling the shots. He's not the one responsible for any. I mean, we could argue. We could always, you know, there's an argument to be made. And I agree with it that, you know, you vote for someone like that. There is some blood on your hands. Sure, sure. But that aside, (laughs) you know. He's not the one who actually is the commander in chief who decided, hey, we're going to do this thing that's going to result in the death of millions of Iraqis. We're, you know, he's not the one who decided we're going to create a surveillance culture in this country, one that, you know, still to this day is profiling uh, Muslims and dark skinned people and making great grannies uh, take off their sneakers at the airport. Uh, you know, we're not talking about the person responsible for all that stuff. We're talking about a guy who for eight years was the most powerful man on the planet. Second most powerful if you consider Dick Cheney to be the guy actually pulling the strings in that uh, administration. But uh, that aside, the most powerful guy on the planet who did everything I just said. It's It's just not comparable it's yeah it's like you said about the animal rights activists and 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 fur and people who wear fur i would even say it's 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 her, her example is even worse because i mean find me you know find me find me someone who uh you know a, a fur I, I don't even know if there's you could blame a single uh fur company for uh murdering that many uh animals you know right. <laughs> that's a lot of dead, innocent people. Yeah. And, and you know, a million is the, I would say, is I believe the conservative estimate. We will never really know how many people actually died. There are still kids being born today with impacts of the depleted uranium. A lot of people don't know what that is. And we used uh, pretty toxic chemicals and metals and things in order to uh, the, the the justification was that it, it goes through tanks and this and that. Uh, and really what it did was plant a lot of toxic things in the environment, which like when I was looking through the photos to make the video, I had to like ironically, because this is all about how Ellen censored Twitter. Ironically, I had to censor myself first because I couldn't use all of the most powerful images because then it would have just like been flagged for graphic violence and stuff like that so um those images i can't i've never seen before 
and they're still actually being produced now with like children being born. Right, right. So let me let, let me play this video. Um, people who are listening to the podcast version of the show, which will come out after this live stream, uh, will just inform me you're listening to audio, so you're just going to hear. Mm-hmm. Raphael has done nothing to the audio of this, this, this video. It's just Ellen saying her piece, her defense of her friendship with George W. Bush. But visually, and this is where you should go online, you know, if you're not going to catch the replay of this live stream on YouTube, uh, definitely, I will, uh, there's a link actually in the description of my video, you could easily find, find right there, of Raphael's video on YouTube, of just this, visually, this is just incredible. And it's, it's, it just shows you just how powerful, just a, a simple remix, a simple edit, of something can can completely change the meaning of of how the original wants to come across. Let me play this uh, video right now. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, you're not going to be able to to, to see this. But I, I please go. Uh, uh, let me pull it up. All right, here we go. So I want to talk about something that happened this weekend. I know it's Tuesday. Sometimes I like to ruminate on things all day Monday so that on Tuesday you, you hear about it. Um, so uh, this weekend I went to Dallas uh, for the Cowboys game. And, uh, yeah, so uh, thanks. But during the game they showed a shot of George and me laughing together. And uh, so people were upset. They thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? didn't even notice I'm holding the brand new iPhone 11. And, um, <laughs> but a lot of people were mad, and they did what people do when they're mad. They tweet. And, uh, but here's one tweet that I loved. This uh, person says, Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. And, um, exactly. Here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay that we're all different. For instance, I wish people wouldn't wear fur. I don't like it, but but I'm friends with people who wear fur. And I'm friends with people who are furry, as a matter of fact. I have (laughs) friends who should tweeze more. And I I have... But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same way that you do. I mean be kind to everyone. Doesn't matter. Um, I, I, even people who are already playing Christmas music. I mean, seriously. There's no excuse for that, but I'm kind to them. Anyway, I want to thank Jerry Jones, Charlotte Jones, for hosting us, and thanks President Bush and Laura for a Sunday afternoon that was so fun. By the way, you owe me $6 for the nachos. You know, just A, what she's saying is gross, and B, your edit is, is incredible. It's, it's, first of all, as someone who, who, who does video, I want to uh, just say I appreciate a good use of chroma key. Uh, <laughs> very well done. Uh, and then the, the imagery, there's especially one shot. I'm going to bring this up. There's one shot and I, you know, other people have brought it up. The, the, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty famous picture that, that shows, you know, and I don't even think, you know, we, we mentioned the war and what, and how it, it, people who died over there in Iraq, but, but I, I don't even think we really spent any time on the torture we were responsible for. People were yeah. being tortured, and 
okay, I don't think anyone should be tortured. But if you're one of those, you know, a-holes who think, oh, bad people should be tortured to get information out of them, well... Again, number one, we, it's proven that doesn't work. Actually, torture does the reverse. You're not going to get any information out of people if they know something by torturing them. And then two, uh, the people who were being tortured were not guilty of any crime. We don't know what their, what, what, what their role was. They, they could have been an Al-Qaeda person. They could have been uh, best friends with Osama bin Laden. But they also, and as we now know, uh, many of them had nothing to do with it. They were just people... Yeah who were just rounded up and picked up if there was any yeah. sort of guess that, oh, you're hanging out in this area. Yeah, they lived there, you know, and they were tortured. Oh, yeah. It was proven that a lot of soldiers, like if one of their mates would get harmed, that they would go into a village and ask who, who you know, who did this? And they would have to produce somebody. So people with like historical vendettas would just like... Say, you know, oh, my neighbor there who always parks his car in front of my house, he did it, you know, and then they would grab him and, and make an example. Like, it was really gross. Or they would do it for to get cash rewards. And they would just turn in strangers. They would make up names. Um, and those are the people in there. If you, There's a lot of uh, the first people, and I was very lucky I was working with them, is uh, the Center for Constitutional Rights. They were the first lawyers that went to Guantanamo to actually find out who these folks were that were in there and all of those people who are still there today um have never been charged with anything uh at all right it's it's stunning and i mean yeah there's there's there i mean there are people just walking among us here who were deployed in uh, iraq and afghanistan during that era that uh probably uh did some pretty terrible things i mean we you, you just don't we just don't know i mean yeah. the stories that have come out are horrific and again, that's just the stories that have come out. Can you imagine what's still unknown? It's it's you know I could yeah. only I have this this image up, uh, incredible. I'm I'm sure you you purposefully made sure this photo was there, that infamous photo of the hooded uh, detainee being tortured, hands out to their sides. You know it's almost it's almost like a really that's like a, a, a Jesus esque photo, except the guy's being tortured with his palms out and you've put this photo behind Ellen just as she does the same gesture. And it's really just visually uh, uh, incredible because it it just, I mean, there's no better, I mean, uh, imagery that can get across just how ridiculous what she's saying is when you reflect on what she's basically just pushing aside. Now, before we end here, I appreciate you spending this time with me tonight. Let's talk about what happened to this video. Now, obviously, people online are sharing it. They love the video. Uh, But at first, it almost didn't really see the light of day beyond maybe the first couple thousand people that saw it before something happened to it yeah i immediately knew when i posted it that it was not gonna explode uh it was just like you know slowly it reached like ten thousand views um but that's you know just like regular like people could just be passing it and not actually watching it um and then when it was taken down people started to pay attention 
Now, when you say um, it was taken down, I'm so, I just want to make sure people understand yeah. if they're not familiar with this story. It, you didn't accidentally delete the tweet. <laughs> what what happened to it? Like, what, what how did you find? Like, what happened to it, and how did you find out? Uh, so what happened was they the Ellen Show, who uses lawyers, um, filed a copyright claim. And it's a pretty false copyright claim. In fact, if you go through the process yourself on Twitter um, and file a copyright claim, it actually warns you in multiple screens, do not file this claim if this is a commentary or satire or it's just something you don't like. Because by US law, you are liable for the legal fees and you could, you're violating Twitter terms of services and you're violating the US copyright law. So they, they actually warn you multiple times through that process. And that person whose name is somewhere out there, actually someone leaked it to me who, who that worker is. And uh, he's a lawyer. And he, they actually, um, multiple times, not just my video, but like when people saw my video taken down for the, for the fraudulent copyright notice, they started uploading copies of the video in resistance to it, knowing that they're putting their Twitter accounts at risk. And some of these accounts had like a couple of hundred followers and we're seeing, you know, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 views on their copies of the video. Um, and it just started exploding across the web. And they started this race where there was, they were just as fast at, at, at censoring it using that tactic as people were uploading it and once people started hearing that this was happening everyone just started uploading it and it looks like they just gave up at a certain point because it, it started to hit the news cycle the streisand effect in full effect the streisand effect yeah. <laughs> right. i mean you know i will give it I, I will i will give her the benefit of the doubt and the, they show the benefit of the doubt a lot of these times you know these lawyers are hired in general not for specific takedowns they're basically hired to scour the web, usually not even individuals. You know, they hire these firms and there's automated systems that scour the web looking for, you know, re-uploads, you know, um, ripped versions of shows to take down for copyright issues. Uh, but in this instance, so she, you know, they may not, she may not have been aware it was taken down when it was taken down. Uh, probably didn't even know it existed at first. But we're well beyond that now. We're at the point where it's almost impossible to believe that at least someone working on The Ellen Show isn't aware that this video exists. And they can easily reach out and pull this copyright claim on your video so it is allowed on Twitter again. Yeah. Clearly, there's, this open secret, there's an open secret inside The Ellen production of how opposite she truly is and how micromanaging she is and how aware she is Ooh, do you about have a lot of these things. And it's, it's if you ask uh, anyone like off the record who's worked anywhere near her, uh, you'll you'll hear about it uh, or just Google it. But it's yeah, also you if a you scoop look to up give her, me. You got a scoop to give me. <laughs> also, if you look up her executive producer Andy Lassner, he's very active on Twitter, and he's very much one of those people who glorifies Reagan and Bush. Uh, and anytime Palestinians are blown up. He's talking about how that they had that had to happen and they deserved it. Like he's a real piece of work, and um, he's very much involved with the whole Ellen production in a way where he kind of actually just like from a Trump style, MAGA style, 
actually relishes people attacking him for those things. Um, and he's very much uh, her bulldog in that way. And I'm sure he was involved. I, I remember him being the talk most recently because when uh, when Bernie Sanders said million, a billionaire shouldn't exist, he, this guy, I mean, listen, this guy is probably very wealthy, probably, you know, you know, six figures, if not maybe seven figures. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't a billionaire. So what is this guy doing? He, he ran out to defend billionaires. It's like, listen, yeah. buddy, if if you think there's a difference between millionaires and the rest of the world, I can tell you that billionaires are even looking down on you, you know? <laughs> the ironic thing, the other ironic thing is Ellen, if you look it up, uh, Rolling Stone, Ellen, copyright lawsuit she was sued for co- actual copyright infringement where she stole all of that without permission or paying every song of her intros where she dances into the stage Are you she never paid for any of those and she was sued by i think sony music or someone uh for it and that was also like and an andy lasner kind of thing like they wouldn't they have a half a billion dollars her personally god knows how much the show makes and they couldn't even pay artists for just to play their song on their show, thousands of songs. So this is like a real irony in them actually, uh, you know, falsifying copyright stuff when they were actually legitimately uh, lost a case where or or settled out of court a case that uh, where they actually were stealing thousands of songs. Listen, if if friendship with Bush isn't enough to turn you off, Ellen, then come on, at least. <laughs> going out of their way to not support artists should be the, the, the nail in the coffin with uh, your, your liking Ellen. I mean, unbelievable, really unbelievable. Ah, you know, I began this show with, you know, the, 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 the rich show class solidarity do you. And I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that better shows just how these folks stick together than the, this, this instance of Ellen and Bush. I mean, a guy who doesn't even look at her her rights as equal to his and she's she's just a difference of opinion man that's all she thinks what's interesting is that she has banned people from her show if you look up Vince Vaughn uh once he called he's an idiot and he called electric cars gay and he said you know not homosexual but you know my my parents chaperoning the dance gay and she banned him after that uh and then Kathy Griffin did a whole monologue about how mean Ellen is behind the scenes and how opposite she is of her persona. And she was banned uh, for that. And then there was a gospel singer who was saying really homophobic things. She was paired up with, she works with Pharrell of Nerd. And she said homophobic shit on social media somewhere. And Ellen, of course, banned her. But the, the proof is in the pudding because Kevin Hart, who also said homophobic things uh, wasn't, and she was at, he was actually defended by Ellen. So if you reach a certain amount of wealth and power, like Kevin Hart has, you you have a clean slate with Helen, even with homophobic comments. But if you are anyone who's who's still kind of like either like B or C or whatever out there, you're going to be banned from the show. So you're absolutely on the nose with class solidarity. We're going to have to probably revisit Vince Vaughn's band then because it sounds like his band was probably <laughs> lifted, right? I mean... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was. They, but, they are lifted eventually. But, but that does say something. I don't, you know, it's, it's really telling that, you know, I can't imagine the, 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 the liberal 
psyche better better laid out on the table than right there. You know, say something like that. You there's repercussions. Responsible for murdering people. Uh, actually, uh, responsible for the laws that. Uh, subjugated people to becoming second-class citizens in many ways, taking away their basic human rights. That stuff, not the same. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it makes me so angry that I might have to go out there and look for something that can be easily chroma keyed so I can, (laughs) so I can make a video. Her show always has a blue background behind her. So you could definitely, people have been requesting. And once this is settled, so I don't get my Twitter account banned. Once this is settled, my next one is going to be with Katrina backgrounds and then one with LGBTQ people who were impacted by George Bush. I wasn't even thinking of that. I'm sorry. Are you pursuing this in, in the legal matter here that to get your... Well, uh... I'm, I have a petition out with Color of Change. It's on my Twitter, at Rafael Shimanov. And um, I'm, I'm starting that way, uh, basically, just to get people behind it. Uh, and uh, people are sharing it and signing. And that's directed to Twitter. Uh, but I've also been reached by, and I'm, I can't, I don't know if I can share their names yet, but like organizations that talk about free speech on the internet uh, and like corporate uh, control over content. And they are kind of exploring interest in it, so we might take action. This is a real problem online, and and this this is a whole this is honestly another hour. But so we'll just I'll just mention this briefly. It is a real problem online, regardless of the platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, where it's really case by case basis in terms of which commentary, which sort of fair use uh, creation will get pulled down. And there doesn't seem to be any real guidelines. I mean, legally there are, but in terms of how it plays out, your stuff can be taken down and it'll only go back up if there's some sort of legal action taken, which means it's going to be down for a while to the point where, in this case, it may not even be relevant to the news cycle anymore. So, you know, I think there's a broader issue here that these things have to change so the copyright holders don't basically excuse me, basically uh, use these takedowns in bad faith to further, instead of just gaslighting us by defending George Bush, they'll gaslight you by taking down the criticisms of that defense too. Ellen has a whole side business called Ellen Tube, which uses fair use to get videos of like cute cats and children and those kind of like Instagram things. And they just grab them from Instagram and social media and use them on commercial run things without, you know, using like, actually maybe it's not even fair use, but um, it's it's just ironic, like the, the unequal power and also how Twitter defaults, like it takes it down without hearing the appeal. It just automatically takes it down, siding with power and then allowing this cumbersome process to, to in effect, censor the internet. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I said this on the last show I, I, I did, uh, right before this one last week. Uh, it was an episode on the, uh, the Biden-Trump-Ukraine uh, saga that we're still going through. And I brought up uh, at the very end that, you know, uh, I obviously don't agree with him on pretty much everything. But 
and I'm not going to die on this hill, but Trump's Nickelback video should not have been taken down. It's I agree. fair use. <laughs> it is fair. In fact, I think Nickelback could have done much better by actually saying something um, instead of being quiet and kind of wimpy through that whole thing and just quietly taking it down from the background. You know, that's a great point, and it mirrors the Ellen thing. You know, it, it would have been so much more powerful if they spoke out. What an easy way to gaslight everyone on the situation by just pretending it never happened. Yeah. Uh, Raphael Shimanov, activist at, geez, look at, look at Raphael's Twitter account, and there is literally a dozen different organizations that Raphael actively works with. Uh, great person to follow for not only these videos, but to see uh, what he's doing on the ground too. Uh, where can people uh, follow you and your work? Uh, most active on Twitter at Raphael Shimanov. Uh, you find me also on Instagram at Rafternoon uh, and also Facebook. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Twitter is the place. And now I just put in on YouTube. I'm on YouTube now with that video because so far they haven't taken it down. Right. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what YouTube does. They're always, they're, there's no one more hit or miss in terms yeah. of these takedowns than YouTube. So it does surprise me it's still up, yeah. but in some ways it actually doesn't. Are you monetizing it? Is it monetized or no? No, no. See, no, that's no. probably why they're not going to care about it until there's an ad showing up on there and then they're going to care a lot. That, yeah. that might be the one thing saving it. <laughs> right. Raphael, thank you so much. Uh, keep us updated you, on the situation with the video. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Peace. Thank you. Take care. All right, folks. That was a lot of, uh, I guess fun is a fair way to, to, to say it because I got out a lot of things that I am always saying about George W. Bush, but we got to do a whole episode on it. Made me feel... Feel good. Always good to get my George W. Bush uh, feelings off my chest. Uh, let me pull up. Uh, there we go. Uh, let's go to the second half of the program. Uh, but first, patreon.com slash Bender. This show is not possible without all you fine folks who uh, are patrons. We are really growing the show. The show is truly bigger than it's ever been. Uh... But that doesn't mean we're quite there yet, not even close. So if you can afford to, patreon.com slash mapbinder. I don't ask for much. Just go there and become a subscriber. Become a patron if you can. And your name will be read out on this show alongside these exceptionally fine people who are also Patreon subscribers. Abigail T. Adam Q. Alan B, Andrew C, Andrew H, Ari R, Ben, Benji, Bobby M, Brosnan, BZ, Champagne Kami, Chi, Christine H, Colin R, Dan, Dan K, Dan M, The Dans, Dank Uger, Dave K, David Z, David P, The Daves and Davids, Dragon Slayer, Eugene, Froz, K, FTW All Day, Greg D, Grim, Ian uh, Curtis J, Jameson Test, Janelle A, Jasmine H, Jeff K, Jeremy M, John G, John S, Jonathan B, Jonathan L, 
the Jonathans and Johns, Joseph R, Joyce M, Justin M, Justin S. We got two Justins now. Nice. Katie S, Cat, Kaushal, Lisa D, Lisa H, the Lisas, Max W, User Me, Melissa M. <coughs> Excuse me. Mitch V, Michael B, Michael J, Michael M, the Michaels, <laughs> Mr. Danks, Nicole A, Namde Net, Null Style, O Death, Romina O, Ryan Left His Best, Scott R, Sean H, Cena, Stephen S, Struggle Session, TM, Tamney G, Thaddeus A, Tina M, Tom G, Tom M, we got the Toms. Uh, what do you mean, videos? Why that Thai guy? Will P, Wootopian, Zachary P, and Zarin. Folks, this list is getting long. Get in while you can, because there's going to be a point where I can't read all the names out. And uh, the preference will go to the people who've been supporting me the longest. Otherwise, you'll just get randomized. And who knows, maybe, maybe you'll get mentioned once in, in February and not get mentioned again until October. Who knows? Get in now. <laughs> YouTube.com slash Matt Binder to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Help us grow there. That's free. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click that little bell notification thing too so uh, you get the notifications when we go live. Um, really wanted to grow the YouTube channel. I think that's the key to the show continuing to grow. Also, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You could also go to doomedpod.com and listen to the episodes right then and there. Links to everything are on doomedpod.com as well. Leave a review on iTunes, whether it be a star review or a written review. That does help bump us up in the iTunes ratings and helps people find the show. Uh, And most important, and this one costs you not a dime, Tweet about the show, post about it on Facebook, share the episodes, tell your friends about it while you're discussing uh, whatever you're discussing on the weekends, tell your family about it when you're having dinner, you know, really, just spread the word. Word of mouth goes a long way. And that's it for the free first half, the version that's for everybody, episode of the show, uh, you know, Always giving you great content, in my estimation. I think everyone who's talking in the chat right now, can uh, the YouTube live chat right now, can agree uh, based on what they're saying. Join us and I'll read all those chats, comments, questions. It's a great time in the second half of the show. We really, uh, we shoot the shit. Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Otherwise, uh, I think the next episode is going to be a debate. Uh, post-debate live stream because next week we got the Democratic debate. Should be a good one. See you guys all next time on Doomed. Protest against injustice. State terror on the streets of the world.